Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. I remember I'm talking. I was talking to Frankie or something, and we're yeah. talking. Wow. And the kid kept, yeah. ignoring, uh, uh, you know, button in. And I'm there, hang, hang on a sec. I'll get yeah. you in a sec. I'm talking to someone. Can't you see? And the kid, ah, fuck it. And it kept going. Finally, fucking, he threw a punch, and I fucking cracked yeah. him. And then, yeah. oh, yeah. just I went. Was, and they were off-duty cops from there. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, we give him a beating. We, yeah. we get out of there. We all jump in the car. We just got out of the parking lot. Yeah. And the cops come flying in, and we cross. There's a causeway out to the hunt. Yeah, I, I must have been going like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> Boom! We got across the causeway and then ducked in, and we were somebody we were was done. For that night. <laughs> crazy. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, <laughs> and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> Special edition, Christmas edition of the Raw Knuckles podcast, and we brought in today to um, join us, uh, one, Jimmy Vesey, uh, my best friend, who um, we played hockey together in Boston uh, with the Bees for a short time, and uh, uh, certainly um, have done a lot together uh, (laughs) off the ice, Uh, and uh, two, uh, help us with the special Christmas edition. Uh, my good friend, Sunil. And Sunil runs, um, runs has the Habs Cave in his basement. If, if you've never seen it on Instagram, you got to check out the Habs Cave. I've never been to a, uh, a shrine dedicated to a hockey team like this one. It is the most incredible place I've been. Everything Montreal Canadiens, from the toilet paper roll to the, you know, the, the, the your toothbrush holder to the pool table to the ping pong table to the hockey to Patrick White, it, it's incredible. Anyway, Sunil, thanks for joining us today, and now you have the reins, Sunil. Great, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, really nice to meet you, Jimmy. Um, nice to be. You. I think that. Uh, I think everyone will be excited to sort of have the tables turned. Chris is always asking the questions. Now I get to sort of ask the questions and let you guys sort of tell your stories and talk. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm sure the the, the listeners will be too. Um, so let, let's just let's get started from where it began. I mean, Chris is from Roxbury. You're from Charleston. How did you guys meet? Like, how did this happen? What? How old were you? When did you meet? Let, let Let's hear it, Chris. Jimmy. Uh, I'll cut in real quick. You thought, Jim. Not Roxbury. Everybody says Roxbury. Knuckles right, is sorry. Roxbury. Okay? I'm from not Charleston, South Carolina. Charlestown, Mass. Boston. Got it. <laughs> but I always knew a Knuckles. Uh, <clears throat> he hung around with guys my brother's age, and he always had a good reputation. And, like, I always tell the story. It come out in the Boston Globe. There was an article about Chris that this guy's going to be playing in the National Hockey League. And it was, it was an incept in the globe, like uh, Boston Magazine. So I read it. And right away, I started falling closer. Like, wow, this kid from the city is going to be playing in the NHL. Because there wasn't many guys playing in the NHL back then. So everybody in the city kind of adopted Chris Nyland. He was from West Roxbury, Charlestown, South Boston, Dorchester. Whatever town you were in, they said he was from that town. So I knew Knuckles from Charlestown with guys, older guys, a little older than me. And then Chris and I started playing together. 
with the Bruins. We happened to be roommates, but we knew each other before that for a mutual friend. And then everything else from there, we became best friends. We spent a lot, a lot of time together. Uh, and, and Chris's uh, career in Boston, we were together. And I was there when he got when he went back to Montreal the second time. And uh, I always told him, you're going to like Lyle Lodeline because they were clashing all the time. I said, Chris, I play with Odie. He's a good, good guy. You're going to like him. Sure as shit. He goes there, and Odie's his best friend when he gets back to Montreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny. Yeah, <clears throat> Jimmy and I, again, I, I you know, there's, uh, so I think, seven years difference between me and Jim. Yeah. So uh, Charlestown guys I hung around with and played hockey with a little older at the time. So Jimmy, uh, I remember, used to go to the Boston Garden, uh, there's a big crew of Charlestown people yeah. that used to go, go to the games all the time. Yeah. They all worked over there, too. They worked the bull gang. You know, the bull gang is when they change the floor from basketball to hockey, all that stuff, concerts. Anyway, all Charlestown kids worked in there, a few salty kids. <clears throat> anyway, they used to all go to games. And, and Jimmy, uh, when the Habs were in town, would always told me, he said, God, I always look for you when you get on the ice. And then I, yeah. you know, right? Man, man, yeah. Oh yeah, you used Chris to go all the Habs games, all the Charlestown guys. With and have tickets either, you know. We we were getting in there through roofs, through fire escapes to get this game. This was must see. This was a must see game regular season when the Canadians come into Boston. Yeah. It was a buzz the day before, and a lot of it was because of Chris, you know. And uh, he would torture the Bruins off the ice, on the ice, the stands, everything. <laughs> but but was, going uh, back, go, going uh, back to that those days when you guys were were kids, did. You know, was there rivalry between towns? Did your friends accept Chris because he's from Roxbury? Yeah. West Roxbury. West, West Roxbury. West yeah. Roxbury. Yeah. Knuckles like, did they the... accept him, Chris? Like, were you, was he accepted into the group? Was there a rivalry? Like, which town was tougher? I'm sure you guys had that conversation. I'm going to say Charlestown. I think Chris will say Charlestown. A little crazy, but Chris was the tough of the tough, so he was accepted. <laughs> yeah, as far as... Um... A rivalry and was I accepted by those guys? Listen, once they brought you over that town, you're in with guys, you play hockey and stuff, you're pretty much accepted by them, you know. And, um, you know, we there's times we brought people over there, Jimmy, me and you guys. When we play yeah. for the Bruins, we go into Charlestown, we go to the bar or something, have a few beers, and you know, guys were pretty much accepted right away. Yes, like you know, it's a uh, where I grew up. So now it was one square mile. Everybody knew everybody. So in the old days, when you brought a guy over there and he wasn't known, everybody would just stare at you, stare at him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, who is this? So <laughs> make you it, uncomfortable. Make you uncomfortable, yeah. So a lot of times you had to be careful who you brought over yeah. because all of a sudden you go to the bathroom, next thing is something's happening. But once they accept you in our town, you're accepted. And you were like from there, like Chris could walk around there at three o'clock in the morning. Nobody's going to bother him. Well, Jimmy, like touching on sort of who Chris knows and who Chris doesn't know or who you grew up with. I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of guys who look like me running around in your crew. What do you think about Chris now? I mean, he's, you know, living in Montreal. He's so multicultural now. He's got Indian friends. Chinese friends. I like it. I love it. You know, I met, I met a couple friends. What do you think about that? Um, and you know what? I'm glad he's meeting all different people because, like I always say this, I don't care what color you are, your nationality, good people are good people. And it, you know what? And you know that when you're talking to somebody. Genuine people are genuine people. I don't care what color, what race they are. Yeah, and it's so true. But, it, again, Sunil, it's funny you say that 
And um, it's true because back when we grew up, they had the busing in Boston and there was a lot of racial tension back in our city. Yeah. So there were a lot of confrontations between black kids and white kids. Yeah. And it was a, it was a real, it was a shitty time. It wasn't yep. fun to grow up in. You're a white kid on the train going through yep. the black neighborhood. You're in trouble. Yep. You know, you're, you're going to get a beaten or something's going to happen. Um, and, and likewise the other way. Yeah. So it, 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 it was a lot of tension and animosity. And I think, you know, Boston got a bad name and yep. a bad rap for being um, a racially intolerant city. Um, yep. I think they've made strides moving forward. Um, and, and the further away you get from that, that era, um, I think the better it's gotten. But, you know, it's still, um, there's still, you know, some lingering effects of that. And and we just grew up in a, a real crazy time when it comes to all that, the, the, hey, the, you know what? the bus and everything. With Chris saying that, we didn't even know why we didn't like them. It was, yeah. just, it was just brought into our attention. They didn't, they didn't like us. You know what I mean? And it was stupid. Later on in life, you start playing with guys, different nationalities. And when you're in that dressing room, and you're going out to play a team, and you know that guy got your back. You don't care what color he is. He's with you. And I think of, like, when I play with Darren Banks, who I still talk to him, uh, a black guy to play for the Bruins. I play with him in Providence. And Banks, he could fight. I had Banksy in Charlestown, all the guys accepting him, you know, at the house. Or my house. You didn't care. When you're in hockey, I didn't care what color it was. Just like my son later on played with P.K. Subin. And him and P.K. Subin, uh, uh, Subin are still friends to this day. When PK retired, he lives in New York. He'll go out with Jimmy on an off day, you know. So with hockey, it didn't make a difference when you play with different color or nationality, you know, Russian, French didn't make a difference. They were with you. So let's get into the good stuff. You got to have some stories. You two running around. There's got to be some stuff. Not, not let us into, give, us, I, give us one good one. Well, here's on. one. Hey, one. I'll start this one. I'll let Jimmy finish it. We're in the one that you can one tell day, us. Bunch you know? of us. One that you can share. Having a good time. And there was a guy in there, a good friend of Jimmy's. Yeah. Um, they, they grew up together. Yeah. Now, this is loyalty here, Sunil. Take a lesson in loyalty. And, yeah. and me and Jimmy are tight. And, and this kid grew up with Jimmy. Anyway, I'm talking to Jimmy's friend and another guy. And they decide they're going to badmouth a friend of mine from Charlestown. That, yeah. One of the older guys that I hung around with. And they're bad-mouthing them. And I decided to speak up. And I spoke up, and I said something to both of them. And I ignored them after I said it. And I caught out of the corner of my eye, the kid threw a punch at me. And I just got out of the way of the punch. Well, I went, I went, you know, the wires touched. And yeah. I went after him. Anyway, everybody broke it up. They saved me from killing him. Jimmy took that kid outside and proceeded to beat the living shit out of him. Busted his yeah. nose. I mean, fucking give it to him good. And, um, right, Jim? Remember? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. So and when we... you talk, he, 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 I'm in his town now, and one of his guys that he grew up with fucking tried yeah. to throw a shot at me. And, and what happens on that is Chris is with that's me. Loyalty. That's like, that's my guess. That's like he's in my house. You know what I mean? You don't screw around like something like that. That's what pissed me off. 
and and these two guys that started, one guy got the other guy going about a good friend of Chris's, and of course they knew Chris was going to get pissed. But to pull that bullshit when he's there with me and other guys that grew up my whole life was bullshit. And Jimmy took him outside and gave it to him. Yeah. Now, even after he gave it to him, Sunil, I wasn't too... No. I I didn't get to give it to him. Yeah. So... I, well, I knew where the kid worked, and he worked you at the you know, the delivery service. So I know what time they get off, and I drive over to South Boston two days later, and they're all getting off work, and they're all in the garage. I walk in the fucking garage like I own Airborne, and they're all yeah. looking at me. Hey, Knuckle, I says, where's so-and-so? Yeah. And they hey. go, oh, he's right over here. He comes over. I say, hey, are you ready to fucking go now? You got no one else around, just me and you. You ready to throw a fucking punch out in front of everybody? I said, you want to fucking hit me now? Come on. Let's go right here. I'm, I'm giving you a chance. Not throwing a punch from the side. Well, he fucking melted down into his sneakers and yeah. um, apologized, everything. So, yeah. yeah. So, th- yeah. there you go. Yeah. And you know what? There was a lot more stories okay. like that. That's like, a good one. Where sometimes they got to the point where even worse than that, where I remember one time I wasn't there and my brother was there and Chris was coming from a golf tournament. I, I forget who he was. He was Chris Chelios's brother, Stephen, I think. Right, yeah. Chris? Yeah, yeah. Pulled into the spud. When we called the spud, that was in the bar we hung out. Uh, the Sweet Potato. The name sweet of it was the Sweet Potato, but we called it the spud. Yeah, and um, Chris was uh, swearing using the F-bomb. Like, nothing bad, but I guess one of the guys said, hey, what my wife can you knock it off chris and chris like, ah, blah, blah, blah. luckily my brother was there because the guy chris was uh uh having a vacation with was uh dangerous dangerous guy very dangerous guy and a gentleman but you know you know that's how why is something like that crosses somebody ends up you know not in a good spot so jimmy's luckily- brother saved me that that yeah. night yeah, yeah and mcgurdy too tommy yeah tommy was there and i i'm telling you like I was, I was out of my mind. I had yeah. a little too much to drink, and yeah. um, I was out of line. I'm yeah. just glad he didn't handle it the other way. Yeah, good handle the right way. And uh, there was a lot of stuff like that growing up. You were always, always something seemed to, to, to happen, you know. And it was always nice to, if you're with Chris, you definitely knew there was something else that was going with you the whole way. And not that we looked for it, because I don't think we did. But seemed to follow us around a little well, bit. <laughs> I'll yeah. give you one more, Sunil. How about the Porthole Pub, Jim? Oh yeah. Oh boy. So we're up the Porthole Pub. I lived yeah. in the Hunt, which is north of Boston, when I played for the Bruins. And Jimmy's with the bees now. We're, yeah. Uh, it was after practice. We had a couple days off, and we decided we we're gonna go out for a little bit. We're at the Porthole. Me, Jimmy, Frankie, Frankie, Frankie yeah. uh, Sully, Chopper, Chopper. There's five of us, and we're at the bar drinking, having a blast. Now, poor Frankie's passed on now, and so hasn't uh, Sully, these two guys. And Big Frankie, we're at the bar, we're drinking, and what what was it? The off-duty cop right there with off-duty cops, right? Come up to me and fucking start it with me. And you would say, can I have a second? I'm just talking to my friend right here. Yeah. And the guy kept on going, 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 and... One thing happened to another. Somebody got stuck. And next thing, we're taking on the whole bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the five of us. Like, five. it was 
fucking crazy. 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 And and I'm out. I have a major shoulder surgery, so I got one arm. The other guy's got a bad back. Uh, so long story short is it, it broke into all hell. But we got in our car. We left. Cops were flying in the park. Well, we'll leave and drink crystal in the heart. And somehow... With the help of God, we made it out or unscathed. Oh, geez. I, I'm telling you, Sunil is like nuts. I remember I'm talking. I was talking to Frankie or something, and we're yeah. talking. Wow. And the kid kept, yeah. igno- uh, uh, you know, button in. And I'm there, hang, hang on a sec. I'll get yeah. you in a sec. I'm talking to someone. Can't you see? And the kid, ah, fucking, and it kept going. Finally, fucking, he threw a punch, and I fucking cracked yeah. him. And then, yeah. oh, yeah. just oh, went. And they were off-duty cops from there. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, we give him a beating. We, yeah. we get out of there. We all jump in the car. We just got out of the parking lot, yeah. and the cops come flying in. And we cross there. There's a causeway out to the hunt. Yeah. I, I must have been going like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> Boom. We got across the causeway and then ducked in, and we were Somebody we was done. For that night. <laughs> crazy. You know, Jimmy, you mentioned that, uh, you know, as long as Chris was there, you know, you know someone was going to go all the way, so you, you, were, you were good. Uh, along the way, you played with a lot of tough guys, right? Twist, Chase, Odie. Um, did any of those guys not like Chris? Well, you know what it was. Back then, there was no social media. So I used to bust Chaser and Twister and uh, Odie and whoever I was playing. Just I'd go like just another college pussy winning another fight. You know what I mean? Just another college <laughs> pussy. Because that was their name. You know, college fucking pussy. Blah, blah, blah. So, and then I'll tell you a funny story. Chris made the all-star team, okay? And I knew it before it was announced. So I'm in the dress room stirring up. I go, I bet you Chris Nyland might make the all-star team this year, right? I'm throwing a fishing rod right out to them, right? And they're biting on it, right? I got chased. I'm making, you shit me. What are you doing? I said, okay, bet. I'll throw $100 up. Everybody bet. I must have took five of them for money. Next day, Chris was announced as the all-star. I said, boys, keep your money. It's too easy taking it from you guys. (laughs) 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 But, well. Yeah, they used to say about, they always want to know about Chris. I used to tell them, hey, Chris is who he is. He ain't going to back down for nobody, and he's tougher off the ice than he is on the ice. I said, you guys grew up fighting like that. We grew up fighting on the streets. You know what I mean? So it's a whole different game for us. We couldn't fight on the ice. And, you know, a lot of those Canadian guys were tough guys on the ice, but a lot of them never had fights like we had. I'm talking about gang fights or brawls and and stuff like that. It's totally different, but... When all comes push comes to shove and you get to know these guys and you're playing hockey together, you're in that bond for life. You know what I mean? And no, no. Uh, I, I, Those guys here, like, if I didn't play hockey, I would have never met probably Chris, who lived yeah. 20 minutes from me, never yeah. mind guys from Edmonton or uh, what the hell was... Uh, Porcupine uh, Plains. Porcupine Plains. <laughs> Chase was from Porcupine Plains and Darren Kimball from Lucky Lakes. Lucky Lake. Yeah, and Dave Thomason. But they all moved to Charlestown. All the guys that play for the Bruins that I know, I'd have them live right in Charlestown. They loved it. They loved it. Everybody would treat them good, not because they're the Bruins. They wouldn't even talk hockey with them. Make sure they're all right, taken care of, parking, whatever they need. And so all the guys had some good, good memories of living in Charlestown when they played for the Bruins. Chris, did you guys ever play each other? No, no. we never played against each other. No. 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 And um, yeah, we just no. played together that short time. And what happened? <clears throat> Jimmy got a sucker pass up the middle and he yeah. got hit by Stephen Finn in Quebec. Steve, Quebec, yeah. And he fucking crept up on him right at My the red shoulder. line and he Bang. blew his shoulder out. And it was shoulder so- aim like that afterwards. And I had to come back. I had to wear one of those sour braces. 
the following season, the game just started, got less and less fun because I couldn't protect myself in front of the net. And long story is I'd follow Chris from afar before you couldn't get scores and everything else. Then when he went to the Boston Bruins and he was with the Bruins, I was dying to be there. You know what I mean? Here I am in Peoria. He's with Boston, you know, running around the city and Nylon's back in Boston. You know what I mean? They hated him when he came in with the Canadians, you know? We used to have to send guys up in the stands. There was some guy up there yelling. We had to send Frankie the Fixer up. Yeah. Up yelling. <laughs> my parents. Remember Frankie the Fixer that night with my yeah, mom and yeah. dad? Yeah. Some kid was fucking yapping my father and fucking Frankie the Fixer come over and cracked him. Crack. Boom. There was no more yapping. There was and no more what? yapping. Is right. You got to understand this. When Chris was there, you're talking about Montreal, who, who as Boston fans, we hated them because they were so damn good and they broke our hearts so many times, you know? So when they came in, they're worrying about Chris Nyland. The day before, here comes the dreaded Habs and Chris Nyland. And he lived up everything they talked and talked about him about. Like, he didn't disappoint in that place. There was a show on every night he was there. Yeah. He put a show on. You know what I mean? And uh, the Canadians, Canadians would win and break your heart. But we loved Knuckles. But we hated the Canadians. We respected them. It's like the Yankees. We respected the hell out of them. But we hated them. But they won. And Montreal, I used to see them come in. Then later on in life, I'd go up to Montreal with Chris. We'd go into the, uh, to the alumni room. Every Canadian sitting there with a uh, sport coat on, tie on. And I'm looking at legends. And Chris is introducing me to some of these guys. That I grew up, they had their hockey cards. And I'm like, wow, look at these guys. And the way they carried themselves. You know, you can tell a lot of pride and good leadership year after year in that, in that organization. And I met some very good play, very good people like Ray Bork for the Boston Bruins, who grew up as a Canadian fan his whole life. Like Knuckles grew up a Bruins fan. And, uh, you know, Ray's in, Ray had to go through a lot of that going home in the summer after losing to the Canadians. You know, but I think Ray's career turned out pretty darn good, too. Excellent. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, you just meet a lot of good people in hockey. And I can tell, Snell, I've seen your thing with the Lamb Foundation. I want to tell you. That's an awesome, awesome room you have there. Yeah, I appreciate I just, that. Thank you. You bleed with the yeah. Canadians. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like dying for another I, one. I, and I can't help comment on that low-key big B on your hat over there. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's killing yeah. me. I, I, I just had that hat. I was going to yeah, put a yeah. knuckles on. Sure. I was going to put the knuckles hat on today, yeah. but I would have looked too like a ham and egg. So I, I got know. it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that roll. Yeah, um, yeah, you got so I know that you're a scout with the Maple Leafs. Yes. Um, yeah. Wait, you don't like the Maple Leafs? Well, no, I'll, I'll, reserve, I'll reserve my comments for off camera okay. about the Maple Leafs. Um, if you had to give a scouting report on Chris, and Chris, if you had to give a scouting report on on Jimmy, can we hear that? Let, 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 I want I want to know about what you guys think. All right, I'll give Jimmy scout report. Here's the deal: pure goal scorer, fucking tough as nails, fight anybody. Didn't fight all the time, but if anybody thought they could take advantage of him, they were wrong. Um, if there's uh, a weakness, it was his skating. He was a little, it, th that's what, how, listen, Jimmy scored fucking 47 goals twice. He had 93 points twice in Peoria. Yeah. 93 fucking points. He had 47 goals twice. He could score fucking goals like no one. But honestly, I feel he never got the chance in a, in a league where at the time you didn't need blinding speed. Yeah. Back yeah. in our era, you could live yeah. with guys that weren't the best skaters. Yeah. And, and why? Like, well, s some of them, just because they were fighters, right? Yeah. They couldn't skate, but they could fight. And there's guys that had, had, had maybe not so fast, 
that just didn't get that longer look where other guys yeah. did. You know, they had speed and they can fucking fly around the edge. I think Jimmy, Jimmy did get screwed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he never quite got that opportunity to play consistently enough to get your confidence, especially at the NHL level. Yeah. And um, I do think he got screwed. I appreciate that, Chris. And before I give but you he'll say he didn't. <laughs> Boy, Chris, I give the scum report, Chris. I think of, I think of some guys that never even got a game that were good, good hockey players in the day. Yeah. And I know I didn't get a great chance, but I don't go there. But I feel for those guys. And back then in hockey, you had to play because if they smelled that you were nervous on that ice, that was like a shock on a sail. They were coming for you. They could smell it. You could tell who was scared out there. Not that nobody, not that everybody didn't have the butterflies, Chris included, when you know you had to go out there and do something when you're going against a lineup and there's five or six of those guys in the lineup. You know it's coming somewhere. So it, it toughens you up and makes you rely on your teammates a lot. You know what I mean? And I always prided myself on being a good teammate and always be there. But my report on Chris Nyland is a guy that left Northeastern with the heart as big as Boston. 17th round. He thinks he's in the first round. He's going through that door. That's all he needs. And he told Guy Lafleur and them he was coming to camp. And Jacques Lemaire, they didn't believe him, but he was there. And guess what? He wasn't leaving there until he left his mark. And he tells a story how every day after practice, I think it was Bert Templeton or whoever, was working him and teaching Claude, him. And Claude teaching Ruel. Claude Ruel, Yankee boy. Claude Ruel. And teaching him, teaching him, teaching to Chris Nyland ends up playing with Bob Ganey and Guy Carboneau on probably the best defensive line in the league, and he's the reigning king. Where, yeah, those guys tough, as tough as Chris, but he knew how to do it, and he knew how to do it the right way, and he could really make a stir in the game where they talk about it years later. We're still talking about some of the shit he's done. <laughs> you know, but the guys loved him, and he knew. He was taught by those guys uh, with the leadership. Like the one day he talks about when he was pissed off on the ice because they skate him after practice, skate him after practice. Bob Ganey, I think it was, come on and said, hey, what's the matter with you? Chris said, yeah, fuck, I'm sick of this and that. And Ganey gave him a few words, and Chris said, wow, it hit home. You know what I mean? So he was taught the right way by a lot of good leaders in that organization. That's why he bleeds the Canadian thing. He has a tattoo on his arm because he's one of the most favorite Canadians up there. I was up there in this thing, and the people still go crazy for him. That says a lot for an American kid that was a 17th-round pick to have that much influence in an organization for what he did. But you know what? He became an unbelievable two-way player, scoring over 21, 22 goals in a, in a league when it was men played. You know what I mean? It was it was a tough, tough league, and Chris was one of the best at it. Chris had a hard, like I told you, as big as Boston, and nobody was going to take advantage of him. Whether he lost the fight or not, he, you were going to get it. He's one of those guys, if you fought him, when you woke up the next day, he was on your stairs, so you might as well pack a lunch when you're going to fight him. Because it ain't going to end till he feels like it's going to end. Whether he's bleeding, nose is broken, he's going to get in, and you're going to know you're in a fight. And that's the way he lived his life. He didn't fear nobody. I maybe feared one person. I might be. I think I'm right on this. Saying you are Henry. Henry. <laughs> you yeah, I would too. Like I told <laughs> that game when they had him and Chris in handcuffs. I said, "Hey, get." Get the father out of here. You think Chris is tough? Get the father out. The father will clear the whole stadium right out. And Henry was a man of principle, uh, Green Beret, but 
Henry was right or wrong. That's it. And he ran the house like that. And Chris won't know that taught him a lot of things, but you know, that's where Chris got that fire and nobody was going to beat Chris. Meaning that even if he lost, Chris would make sure he felt like he won. He was getting in. He was coming back too for round two. You better be ready for round two. And he didn't, he didn't fair size, you know, and like, you know, Kelly chase him. They're about the same size. And a lot of guys that are a lot bigger just don't have that fire in the belly. And Chris had that on and off the ice. That's what made him successful. Well, I mean, I always notice that, uh, you know, we're around, I'm around a lot of alumni player and, and, you know, Chris is in these pictures, but everyone sort of seems to tower over you, Chris. It's no knock on you, but it, it's amazing in that Chris is defending all these bigger guys. It's, it was always yeah. impressive to me. Um, um, so basically, uh, I'd like to ask you guys about today's game. Um, what do you think about today's game? What is it missing? Um, how does it diff? How does it differ from the, the the time you guys were on the ice? What would you like to see? What's it missing? Well, it, it, I'll just throw my two cents quick. Uh, uh, God, I, I just look at the rash of hits from behind in the last month. Okay, there's been a lot of hits from behind. I think the fighting element they've wanted out of the game for so long without taking it out, but they've found ways to temper it. The game is so fast. Now guys who play that role can't keep up. So you get rid of those guys. They're gone. Now, there are some guys that can skate and fight, and we see who they are, and they're in the lineups now, but not every team has one. You know, um, I think the game has gotten a little bit watered down from the standpoint that with the red line out, um, we see these long passes chip in the zone. It's a little, honestly, a little too fast. And I, I say that um, because, you know, when you see teams now, like I said, that long pass, chip it up, defensemen have a difficult time to get back to the puck before they're going to get put through the wall. And a lot of times a guy will cheat off one demon will cheat off without that red line to be able to get back to the puck and zip it right past the forecheck. If you had a red line in one, it's safer for the players Two, teams will have to come up the ice together. They're so good with the puck now, right? They do the fucking Michigan, all this stuff. They pass in real tight areas. Let's see them pass their way up the ice. Uh, give defensemen an opportunity to be able to hold the blue line. They won't be able to cheat off as much. And I would think you would see more of a forecheck now where teams get in and start to cycle the puck down low and force teams to defend well and then counterattack. So, yeah, they, listen, there's some good things about the game, and then there's some not so good today. And I think one of the things I hate about today's game is fucking iPads. I hate them. Uh, honestly, if I was a fucking coach, I'd smash every fucking yeah. one of them on the bench. I agree. And, and that would be it for the iPads. If a, I hate guys come off the ice, they go right to the fucking iPad. And, and I get it. They're visual today. But here's the deal. You know when you fucked up yeah. on the ice. Get on the bench, catch your breath, talk to your teammate, and get ready for the next fucking shift. Pay attention to the game. If you have a problem and you're not sure, 
go in the fucking coach's room between periods and watch the video. So, you know, that's that's some of it. I think they overprotect fucking goalies now. Um, you know, I think my the biggest thing that I miss from growing up, I miss those old rivalry games. The Bruins coming in to play the Canadians. You were waiting for that two days before. You wait for that build up. Now it's right. They don't have those rivals no more. Yes, it's good when you see the Rangers play the Islanders, the Bruins play, you know, the Canadians, uh, Calgary, Edmonton. But before there were so many rivals in Hartford Bruins games, uh, uh, Montreal, Quebec. I mean, look at the the, the stuff that went on those games. I mean, Edmonton, kind of- Calgary, right? Edmonton, Calgary. <laughs> I mean, these are great games, but I can honestly say. When Chris was saying you got to pass that puck up the ice, that's why we got to bring that red line in to protect. Right now, like we were taught, dump the puck in, two guys went in, four check. Yeah. You had more of a cycle in there, four check and holding the puck in the zone. Today, it's it's in, it's out. You know, guys are flying around. Yeah, they're skilled, they're in uh, great shape. Um, and everybody says, oh, the game's not as tougher. You know what? Let, let's face it, the NHL, when you had guys like Chris who were playing every night, and he had to drop the gloves. Canadians will lose, and that's why they taught Chris, Jacques Lemaire, whoever said, hey, Chris, we need you on the ice, too. And Chris wasn't sure, like, you're you pulling my leg here, I got to fight. They made Chris into a player. Chris could play. He wasn't hurting the Canadians when he was on the ice, but he also could be a resident tough guy and be out there standing up. Today, the game doesn't have any fighters like that. Yeah, there's some guys, um, uh, the, the the kid in, um, where the hell is he now? Um, Toronto. Uh, Reed. A couple of ones, Wilson. <laughs> But every team used to have them. Delorier. Yeah. Yeah. All those, yeah, Poirier. All, you know, guys had them in the team. Everybody had them. And in the minors, there's four or five of them. Okay. Yeah, some guys probably would get weeded out because of speed. But let's face it, the game's still tough. There's still intimidation in there. And you know when Ryan Reeves is in the lineup or whoever else they're in the lineup, Tom Will, teams are a little more quiet. You take those guys out of the lineup, I guarantee in warm-ups, the other team's so-called tough guy is yapping a little more, yapping from the bench a little more, because there's no, uh, he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't have that guy in the lineup. I don't care. When you look around in your dressing room and you look around and you say, holy shit, we don't have anybody in. We're going against two or three. Your asses get a little tighter, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, your ass gets a little tight. You know what? We grew up on the street where you fight and your ass went to get a little tighter. It gets the same way. It's nice to have something when you're going to war with you. Yeah. Not war, but you're going into a battle, and you yeah. like to have guys with you that you know are going to be there. Yeah, there's guys today in the NHL that would jump in. They help out. The only thing I hate about today's game, one of the biggest things like the iPad, is when there's a good, hard, clean check. Everybody looks around. Oh, do I grab him? Uh, grab him? Yeah, like, yeah. What good is that? Hockey, you're supposed to be able to step up and hit a guy. I'm not saying a plate and elbow or something like that, but the good checks – it's like, why do it? Now everybody, you got to get in, you got you got to fight on this little scrap. It's stupid. Get the guy, get the guy's number, come back with another good check on him, a home on him. I'm not saying go out and run Gretzky or guys like that. Yeah, there was an unwritten rule in the day. You didn't hit the top guys. You know, you might have played hard, but you didn't go out and run Gretzky, run uh, uh, Steve Eisenman or Mario Lemieux. You just didn't let, you didn't hit those guys. Like, they, they, you might have hooked them and all that stuff, but now today you hit anybody and it's like you got to go and answer the bell. Jimmy, do you think Chris would? How would he fare in today's game? Oh, Jesus! Would he make be, the lineup? Would he make an NHL oh, lineup? It'd probably be a Hall of Famer <laughs> uh, on the team. I'm telling. No, I'm saying Hall of Fame with those numbers. 
You kidding me? They'd be begging to get this guy. Every team would want him because he's going to do it. He ain't going to pussyfoot around. He's going to do what he did and play the way he did. Maybe some of the actions would not be accepted where they'd probably have him in uh, after school, whatever the hell program. But if you want to have a guy in the bench that you know can play and nobody's going to start shit when you're out there, that's the guy you want right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, like Sunil, like the Habs had the Abba Jack guy here on defense. And I've had guys, so many guys on here, and I asked them about him. And they absolutely love having him in the lineup and feel so much safer, confident when that guy's in the lineup. He is so fucking big, and he has such a presence out there, and he can play. That's the thing. He can play. It gives those guys confidence, like, you don't know. And, 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 and they've all said it. Uh, they friggin' love him. And yeah. it's tough now. He's had the injury. He's in the minors right now. He's down in Laval. Is he two-week conditioning, Chris? Is that what yeah, he is? he's in the American League. They put him down there for conditioning, apparently. So I, I'm dying to sure. see him get back. But they have so many goddamn defensemen now. It's like, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure he'll be back. Get, but bunch huh? won again tonight, didn't they? Yeah, they won last night. Yep. So if you guys had to go to war, who would you guys choose on your team other than each other? What do you think? Uh, I just from experience without saying Chris. Yes. I take I take Twist and Chase. Just because I played a lot of years with them and I seen a lot of damage they done. And Twister was a big puncher. Chaser was a hell of a uh team guy. Nobody did anything without him not stepping in. You know, he's battling right now, leukemia. So I want to send a little shout out to uh, Chaser uh, from all the guys in Boston, myself and all the guys, friends of mine that known him, we're praying for him. But that kid here, he was a great team. He reminded me a lot of Chris. A yeah. lot of Chris. There are a lot of similarities, yeah. A lot of similar sure. size, the mouth. They could <laughs> oh, they could hit with their fist, but their mouth never shut up, man. Their mouth, <laughs> they were good. They get under your skin that way. So I can't take Jimmy, but he'd be number one. Yeah, I would take um, Tom I like Regan. Terry O'Reilly too. I like Terry O'Reilly too. Let me get that in there. When I say go to war, I'm talking off the ice too. Oh, okay. <laughs> On the ice, off the All ice. Right. I, I Tom Regan. Yeah, good man. Fucking out of his mind, yeah. and and a guy that don't fear nobody. He ain't fucking asking no questions. If, if no. I'm in a beef and. He's with There's you. a problem with me. He's with me, and yeah. I and on the other guy I'm going to say is Chris Chelios, and I say yeah. that because if you look, I got a picture up here yeah. where I'm squaring up with O'Reilly, and there's Chelly in there trying right. to trying to keep O'Reilly away picture. from me. You watch, you watch. Brown. Go to the Brown fight yeah, and, uh, with no jersey. Chelly's trying to stop him from getting to me, yeah. and then um, the night. In Boston, the brawl in the hall yeah. when yeah. I hit book hit Tillier, right? Yeah. Chelly that um Chelly tried to come in and jump in right away yeah. because you know, Miller's coming, fuck it. I was getting surrounded. He come in right away and McCarthy ended up fighting McCarthy. Oh, but Chelly, Chris Chelios, every time we're on the ice together and something happened, he always fucking was right there jumping in. And cool. I would take Chelly in a hoppy. Loyal, know, I- not a loyal guy. I met Sunil, I met Chelly through Chris. And here's a guy who was a legend in the league. And no matter where I was, not that I'd seen him a lot, he'd come out of his way, come over, shake my hand, have a few drinks with me. 
it always made me feel good. Like, I'll never forget Chelly like that. I always tell Chris, one of the best guys that I've met in hockey through Chris, you know. But uh, there was a lot of guys off ice, you know, that uh, I would take that you wouldn't know them, so I couldn't throw them out there. That make it to the NHL. They, they made it to their own NHL. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go back to something personal, yes. Is there, tell me something about Chris that no one else knows that you think we can all sort of, you could divulge. Uh, you know, his, some insight on Chris Nyland. You know, he loves history, right? History is his number one thing. And I used to be going up to Canada with him. I was, uh, I wasn't feeling good at the time. I was going up to get medicine, and Chris would drive me up like a friend he is, and uh, he'd give you the quizzes and start saying stuff. So <laughs> I'd start asking questions to him. He thought I was busting his balls at first. And I said, no, I'm intrigued. And he would tell me about World War II, blah, blah, blah. We'd go on. We'd talk from Boston to Montreal about history. And this kid knew it all. I said, wow. And I'd start picking his brain. And at first, he thought I was busting his balls. You know, just like the time I said, when I was younger, they used to say Chrissy Nyland. They referred him in Charleston as yeah. Chrissy Nyland. You see that Chrissy Nyland last night? So I called him Chrissy one day. He go, you break my balls? I go, no, you were known as Chrissy Nyland. when I was a kid. Yeah. We found Chrissy Nyland. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he loved history. He's smart. And he's a lot smart. He's a very smart guy. After he puts his mind to something, he digs in. Kid's a smart kid. Everybody thinks hockey players, oh, this and that, not smart. He's a very bright kid. Well, thanks, Chris, Jim. A- any insight on uh, Jimmy? Something, a couple uh, things. Yeah. A couple of things. We know he's uh, computer illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> I admit that. A lot of people don't know. In college, he was fucking brilliant. He had an unbelievable grade point average. Very smart in college. And um, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, Jimmy's dad passed when uh, Jimmy's mom was um, pregnant with Jimmy. So yeah. he grew up without a dad. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it's a credit to his mom and his, his sisters and brother. He was He's um, the youngest. And they protected him and helped bring him up in a town where it's so fucking easy to go the wrong way. And to grow up without his dad and that um, driving force behind it all was his mom who really, um, she played the role of mother and father. Yeah. And uh, she was, she was, Jimmy loved his mom, but she'd fucking knock him off the head and keep him in line, right? And was a wonderful woman. So a lot of people don't know that about Jimmy, that growing up in that town without a dad is not an easy thing. And, um, you know, he made it to the NHL. um, If I can say one thing. When Chris told me that, I always thought about that. And my mother told me as a young kid, there's no excuses. Don't come home and say you don't have a father or all that. No excuses. Everybody everybody has one. She said, You're gonna you're gonna, you know, blah 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 taught me. There was no bullshit. I couldn't use like, Oh, my father, I don't have a father. That wasn't accepted. You know what I mean? My mother was everything to me. And she raised me and I was no angel. And but if I did wrong, mostly mannerism, respect, I, I heard about it. You know, today they're going to be putting my mother in jail because you can't yell at kids or touch kids. Well, 
my mother was very hard on me, but very, very nice. Like one of the nicest women. Everybody always says that about their mom, but my mother was everything to me. And I appreciate that, Chris. So, uh, West Roxbury, you were saying Roxbury and it's West Roxbury. And the reason why Jimmy kept correcting you is I'll let Jimmy tell you. <laughs> yeah. West Roxbury is predominantly Irish Catholic. Roxbury is 99% African-Americans, okay? That's their section. Charlestown, South Boston, West Roxbury uh, were the uh, Irish sections. Not then with the Italian sections. Not that it makes a difference, just but... In East Boston. Roxbury, Premium Boston said, he's not from Roxbury, you know what I mean? It's West Roxbury. Now, it's weird... My father grew up in Mission Hill, which is a part of the, like that section, right, Chris? Kind of yeah. Mission. Oh yeah, Mission Hill was part of Roxbury. It was on the edge yeah. of Roxbury, but it was all Irish for all years. Irish. Yeah. Grew up. You know, it's, but the, the change in thing. But West Roxbury's always been Irish Catholic, pretty much, Chris. Right? Yeah, yeah. But we always. always used. To, we always used to think West Roxbury was the rich Irish. We don't yeah. know why. We had two toilets. We had two, we, two toilet yeah. Irish. We had two but toilets. But that was the chip we used. So I told you, those rich bastards from West Rocks. I didn't even meet Chris and his parents. I said, where the hell's the richness in this family? You know Jim, I mean? we only have one bathroom in my house. <laughs> I thought I was fixing it. What's fixing it at the end? Yeah, father, right? I, he, he he didn't even yeah. get to use it, my father. God rest his soul and Larry. And Larry. Yep. Larry fucking did the addition yeah, and put another bathroom in and... Um, they they my father passed before it was done, and yeah. then and Larry. Larry passed two months later. Fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. As but, Chris' mom sick at the home, and uh, Henry was carrying his his uh, Chris's mom upstairs to go to the bathroom all the time. So they decided to put the bathroom downstairs. Mr. Nyland passed away. One of Chris's oldest and best friends, Larry Jackson, who did the bathroom, passed away right when uh, COVID. All that caused sad. But you know when you th when we talk about West Roxbury, Roxbury, and a little history lesson on Boston, right? <clears throat> Those it's a very segregated city, right? People yep. want to live with their own, right? Yep. And uh, yep. you know you see that a lot today. You still see it. You Chinatowns, the North End in Boston, Italian, um, the Irish still South Boston. But Before the forced busing, Chris. The forced busing screwed the whole city screwed up. Screwed everything the whole city up. It used to be everybody would get along, you know, it might be everybody live in different sections, but there was no problems. It just it just got bad reputation throughout the country, really. That yeah, Boston yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. terrible. And what happened, Sunil? The, the forced busing, the federal judge came in and said, listen, charity. we, we got to um, start to integrate schools, black yeah. kids going to school with white kids. But what happened is... Say South Boston, Jimmy lived in Charlestown, all right? Say he's going to Charlestown High. And and the sports teams were unbelievable. On yeah. Saturdays, Charlestown yeah. would play South Boston in hockey. Over and Northeastern. the Boston Arena would be full yeah. of yeah. people from South Boston and from Charlestown. Yeah. There'd be fights yeah. in the stands and the game on the ice. Oh, fuck. We like the Bruins Canadian. That's how much it was a rival. Yeah. You know? It ruined all the City League to, to today. South Boston and Charleston High don't even have hockey teams, Chris. Yeah, it's crazy. Merry Christmas, everybody. Sunil, thanks so much for taking the lead today. Uh, we had a great day. Jim, awesome stuff. Merry Christmas yep. to you guys and your family. Appreciate it. Sunil, Merry Christmas to you, and you got a dynamite room there. Keep up the good work. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yep.
Thanks, guys. Yep. Great right. chat. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.